everyone. Thanks for joining us again for In Conversation with Lisa Burke. It's my great pleasure to continue this housing podcast series and I hope you're finding it interesting. Keep sending in your own experiences of it, your own trials and tribulations or thoughts or comments or advice for our fellow listeners as well. I'm glad to be joined once more by Pierre Clément and Vincent Quillet. Pierre is the MD and the creator of Nexvia, which is a modern estate agent company that has developed online tools to help with buying or renting choices. And Vincent Quillet is MD of Nexfin, which is a mortgage broker company owned by himself and Nexvia. Both are Frenchmen who arrived in Luxembourg 15 and 17 years ago from banking industries, big four industries. So they're bringing that expertise to the property business. And we're also joined by Julien Licheron, who is a research associate at Lizer and member of the Observatoire de l'Habitation, expert on the residential market in Luxembourg since 2009 and actively contributes to improving the quality of information that is made public. And today we're going to talk about the trends in house prices, how it's changed in Luxembourg over recent years, safeguards that have been put in place in the real estate market in 2021. Has COVID had any effects or changes on behaviour and just the behaviour of buyers in general as the property prices continue to just have this exceptional growth, it seems, over recent years. So just to talk us through that growth and the trends that we have observed over the last decade or so, Julien, I turn to you. I have to say that the increase in prices is not a new phenomenon. That's something we have observed since 2009, 2010 at least. And even before during decades, we had already uh, big increases of prices in Luxembourg. I would say that there are two different uh, episodes of the increase over the last decade. The first one was between 2010 and 2018, where there was a very steady increase in price of about 4.5 to 5% per year, which was already quite significant, important. Compared to investment portfolios, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but since 2018, especially mid 2018, we have observed a much higher increase, higher than a double-digit increase. How uh, much percentage-wise? Yeah, the, the, over the last 12 months, uh, it was about 15% increase. Why? That's a very difficult question to answer. I have to say that we have, I think, good explanation for the increase that we observed over the first episode, so between 2010 to 2018. It's clear that there has been a very important demand of housing in Luxembourg due especially to demographic growth, which is sustained and very steady. So expat growth, effectively. Uh, yeah, for sure. And compared to that, we have a supply of housing which is not increasing at the same pace. I have to say that the number of built dwellings is now very similar to the one that we had 20 years ago. Oh, right. OK, so there hasn't been a huge growth in the amount of property being built, even though it seems that way to us living here. Gosh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and that's clearly an explanation and probably the most, the biggest part of the explanation for the increase in prices. But what that. that doesn't tell me is why was there a jump? Because yeah. you said from roughly 2010, roughly 2008 or 10 or 12, it was roughly 45% year by year by year by year. And suddenly 2018, boom, why? It's quite difficult to explain. I, I, I would say that a specific number of very small things may explain the jump, especially Brexit may have an effect. 
Possibly, but really how many companies have moved their base to Luxembourg? Probably not that many, but in a small country like Luxembourg, even two, three or four big banks may have significant effect. We, we, we really have a small market here in Luxembourg. Just to give you some figures about the demand and supply, we are talking about a yearly uh, demand, which is estimated by Statec to about six to 8,000 dwellings, which are necessary every day depending on uh, potential increase of the population. Necessary every year? Every year, yeah, of course. <laughs> Sorry. Every year. Facing that, we have a supply which is most of the time between four and 5,000 uh, dwellings uh, built every year. So you're about 3,000 short, roughly. Yeah, yeah. which mm -hmm. is a lot. For the last 10 years. Right. So you, you imagine the reservoir <laughs> that we have in Luxembourg. Okay. It's highly possible that uh, we may a bit underestimates the supply, especially because we had uh, vacant uh, dwellings. Yes, you do have vacant dwellings. I've walked past a number of them. What does the government do about this? That's a good question. I'm, I'm not uh, at all a representative of the government, but I would say that they are trying to do things about that. It's a difficult thing because most of the possibilities are given to municipalities. So it's, it's municipalities that have the power to make something really concrete about vacant dwellings. Does each municipality have its own thought procedure or is there kind of an overarching Luxembourg urban planning development strategy? Uh, the housing pact, Pact Logement, which was signed in 2008, gave the possibility to municipalities to incorporate tax on vacant dwellings. But then every municipality has to put it under effect. So some municipalities might be taxing. Absolutely, they are doing it. Okay, not all or yes, all? Uh, limited number. Very few to be Very true. few. Yeah, if you look at it. Okay, so not many of them have put no. it in place, probably because they want to be voted in once more by the residents. Yeah, of course, it's an <laughs> important element. Yes, well, okay, okay. Putting that to one side, carry on, carry on. Tell us about these trends. We also have specific factors like investors may really be an important feature now of the market. It's possible that foreign investors already located here now also look at the residential side of the market while they were operating more on the commercial and office markets. But due to uncertainties on the office and uh, and commercial markets, they may turn to the residential side. Mm -hmm, because of COVID. Because of COVID. And so this this is a trend that we observe uh, in our business as well, that we, we, we see uh, those institutional investors really entering uh, the residential market because it's seen as very stable. And while actually in the commercial and the retail market, it's more complicated. The forecast is not the same. I can see that that might be a more recent phenomenon because of COVID, but this sudden hike started in 2018, which is pre-COVID. So it seems a very complex situation. The question really to our listeners is, should they jump in and buy now? Is this a bubble? Are prices going to decrease in your observations, your research? Is it safe to buy as these prices are going up? Or will something happen as did happen in Ireland in 2008, where there was a sudden crash? I think that th there is a very big difference between Ireland and Spain and Luxembourg on the other side. In Ireland and Spain, we had a lot of vacant dwellings. We had an upsurge in the number of built dwellings and probably an overproduction of dwellings. It's clear that in Luxembourg, we do not have too many 
dwellings. We are more on a shortage of, of supply. So that's a big difference. I guess that the fundamentals are quite sound in Luxembourg. Most of the increase in prices may be explained by the supply and demand gap. So I guess most of the increase can be traced back. And the only thing that we can probably not explain very well is a sudden upsurge that we have seen since 2018. Well, I'll let you ponder that for a few minutes. I'll turn to you, Pierre. I know you're desperate to jump in there with your points brimming to the top. Let's have them. Yeah, I think the real issue here is the supply and uh, the number of new dwellings that we have every year is so small that only the wealthiest in Luxembourg can still afford living in the city or even like close to the city. But there are still enough wealthy people, or not wealthy, but with a very good income that can still buy a house at 1.5 million euros, even if it's their first home, honestly. There's been a a change as well from the people arriving in Luxembourg. The newcomers that we have today are, uh, let's say, they're arriving from capital cities uh, in Europe. They're arriving with a professional background. So usually they have already quite a good income. And so they can actually uh, afford a rather expensive house. And they are used to uh, face a market where it is expensive. Because if you go to London, if you go to uh, Amsterdam or uh, Munich, it's really expensive there as well. Yeah, but, but it's, I've, it's I've thought about this a lot because I know the London market very, very well. And I've actually spent many hours recently looking at it once more in comparison to Luxembourg. Because a lot of these people, as you say, coming in from abroad would know their home markets very, very well. And if they are thinking of buying, they might be also debating internally, should I buy in a city I know very well or should I buy here? And one of the big differences is, apart from the fact that London is not a comparable city to Luxembourg or vice versa. Really true. (laughs) There is a range of prices, a very huge range. So I would put to you that anybody could almost buy something in London. But you can't do that in Luxembourg because the starting price is already so high. That is really true. But London is a bit different to Luxembourg because uh, Greater London is really big. So if you would uh, compare Greater London with Luxembourg, it's probably Thionville and Luxembourg, (laughs) uh, which is uh, uh, maybe something you... No, it's not so wide. It's just a bit more dense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's, but it's true that just because uh, while we do uh, not have enough uh, housing in Luxembourg, the price increases a, a lot. And uh, you see that the price difference with uh, Belgium and France is uh, bigger and bigger. But it's true that that's a problem as well for uh, the country attractiveness. It's easy for people with very sophisticated jobs at uh, alternative investment funds or uh, for lawyers or uh, people from the financial industry uh, to buy a place in Luxembourg. But for the other people uh, working in the hospitality, uh, in the retail business, that's that's really more complicated and more and more of those people have no choice than being cross-border workers. Yeah, it's it's really sad. And, and I have seen stories from lots of our listeners who span all types of work. And, you know, I know we might think that a lot of people are in the finance industry or I also know that a lot of the European institutions get certain incentives to buy that not everyone else has access to. So some people are luckier than others, but it is not an easy market to break into at all. The government have put some safeguards in place against this 
sudden overheating of the real estate market this year. So would anyone like to talk through these safeguards that have just been put in place this year? There is safeguard based on real decisions purely on tax side and also some uh, safeguard put on the way to finance your property to objective is to calm down a bit the market. So how does it work? You are not really impacted if you are still um, a first-time buyer. You are going to be impacted if you are a second-time buyer where you would need to inject more capital in your acquisitions. So having a lower loan to value, let's say. So you need to bring more money to buy your second residence. So it's trying to stabilise the market a little bit from overheating by pausing, putting a pause button on the investors. Yes, but still, when you are second-time buyers, you have historically bought in the past with a lower pricing. So now you have a kind of equity to realise. So, okay, you have to inject more cash, but this cash you have it somehow in your first acquisition. Yes. So you can quite easily inject it. Yes. The, the, the positive point that we could see here is you cannot keep your first acquisition anymore. You will have to sell it. It might inject a bit more property in the market, so help the offer at some point. This is what, what we could expect here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. The biggest change is for the investors, so the buy-to-let investors, so not for the occupant buyers. So here the cash effort is very important, like 20% plus the cost. And so it's most of the time deal breaker, especially for the young uh, investors and young newcomers in this investment, because this is very cash consumer. So in terms of activity, daily activity, we see a good appetite for the buyer of main residence, but investors are a bit uh, not in this market anymore. I would say maybe it's a bit colder than it was actually uh, two years ago, just because it's a combination of uh, the the price level, which is already uh, really high. So if you look at a new dwelling in Luxembourg City, that would most probably be uh, 13,000 euros per square meter. And you add to that, you have to put on the table 20% of the apartment price plus uh, the stamp duty. That means quite a lot of money. So we see that investors are really... uh, analyzing a bit a lot whether or not they should uh, they should continue investing in real estate in Luxembourg so but the objective was clear here it was uh, to lower a bit the investor uh, interest uh, for real estate in Luxembourg so that the owner occupiers could have more power in the market my view is that uh, on the new dwellings uh, that are put on the market by the developers, more and more will be sold to owner occupiers than it was in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when it comes to building new dwellings, what is stopping that? Is it due to land ownership? People just clinging on to their land, hoping that the price will continue to increase or holding it for their families? I guess it's really a bigger part of the explanation, yeah. I would say that land is not that scarce, first. We have a lot of land plots that are available for construction, already designed uh, for construction on the building, uh, let's say, plans of the municipalities. So we have a lot of potential for land. The only problem is that the ownership is really spread among a small number of private people. Land is not um, in the hands of public developers or state or municipalities. It's really concentrated around a small subset of private people who have very few incentives to sell or to put under construction. 
due to land tax especially, which is insignificant, let's say. Talk to me about land tax. They don't have to pay much for land to, no. to hold their land. That, absolutely. So there is no incentive to sell for them. And as you said, they see that the price is increasing at a very interesting pace. <laughs> so they have no incentive to sell uh, for the moment. Yeah. I guess it's not speculation. It's more a kind of, you have land plots for decades and you just want to keep it. Either because you don't need to sell it mm -hmm. or because you see that you can gain some money uh, if you keep it two, three or four years more. Yes, I've actually had a, a friend of mine in my local village, I live in Steinzel, and um, he joked to me that, you know, when he wants money, he will just sell his home to a constructor who will build three houses on the same plot. I mean, what is your reckoning as well, if you've spoken to local people, how do they feel when they see that their homes are being sold and suddenly high flat apartment buildings are put in their place or three homes are put in that one plot. How do the local residents feel about that? I have to say that we don't have survey answers to those questions. We never realised a survey on that. So the only thing that I can clearly see is that we have looked at the construction over the last decades and we see that there is a trend towards more density, but this is not that huge. So it's really incremental and it's really concentrated mostly on specific parts of the country where you can see really dense dwellings. I would say for most uh, people living in Luxembourg, it would be okay to have denser dwellings if it's not, uh, of course, uh, sky towers. Mm -hmm. And another thing when we think about the plots that are being built right now is the architectural style. They seem to be going up very rapidly in quite consistent uh, box-like structure. When it comes to who takes off in the municipalities, what can be built in certain areas, who has the final say on that? That's a good question. Well, it's a combination of municipalities plus the Ministry of Interior. But uh, most of the requirements are already fulfilled in the plan d'aménagement général of the municipalities. So everything is already there. You just have to fulfill the criteria that are already defined on the PAG. Just explain what PAG is for us. PAG is plan d'aménagement général. So it's a major urban planning document that each municipality now has. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the areas of high growth with these plans, what are the, the areas that people should be thinking about buying in, if they can? Should they be thinking about buying in certain areas of the city or extended parts of the city? I know that there's been an increase in price around the city. You mentioned Bettenborg in a previous podcast, uh, Pierre, actually. Uh, Valle la Tour, for instance, is also hugely increased in value. And then, of course, you've got the train routes like Mersch or Belleval, for instance. So where should a person look to potentially buy an area of high growth in the next few years. The city will still uh, be the, the, the power of the country where you'll have uh, more of the, most of the companies and, uh, you know, uh, all the, the European institutions uh, will not move away of Kirchberg. Uh, Kirchberg will continue uh, to develop a lot. I would say that if you can afford to uh, live uh, in the city or next to the city, really, uh, that's, that's great. But that, then there are other poles that could be really interesting, especially in the north of Luxembourg. If you look at what it's called the Nordstadt, uh, so uh, it's uh, the Kirch, uh, 
uh, Etelbrook, Mersh, and it's well connected by the train. So that that will be the next big phase of urban planning after the the Belleval uh, development that happened actually in the last ten years. So I would say yeah, there's gonna be a big uh, growth in terms of urban planning uh, around Belleval and around uh, the north, this part of the north of Luxembourg, which will be uh, still well, very well connected to the city. Mm-hmm. And then just uh, circling back to something you mentioned earlier, you, you both mentioned this actually, Pierre and Julien also, is the fact that some investors are moving from potentially being warehouse or office investors to becoming more residential investors. Is that uh, something that happened pre-COVID or certainly post-COVID? I know there's been a move to that for clearly obvious reasons. People are now working from home more. There are offices that are just folding. There are offices that are just, you know, empty. So uh, tell us about that movement. And does it also mean that some people could buy an office to live in, potentially? It was a niche market. I think it's still a small market, you know, the institutional investors buying residential uh, residential real estate just because the yield is much lower than what you would get in in the commercial area. But still, there are a lot of family offices, for instance, managing the wealth of of, uh, wealthy families around the world that that would actually invest in residential real estate in Luxembourg because they they see that as a very uh, stable market, uh, seen as a safe haven uh, uh, while uh, we are in a a, a crisis uh, like we are now because we don't know exactly how how this will end up. Uh, And still, the prospects of Luxembourg are much greater than other countries can be. So that's more the niche market. If you come, if you come back to your second question. Which uh, was really the fact that due to COVID as well, a lot of people are now working from home more. So um, there's a movement for investors to think about, yes, investing in residential properties, uh, but also people moving outside of the city centre to greener areas. Yeah, this is this is clearly a trend that uh, we've seen in the last year. People uh, spend an exponential exponential time in their in their house, uh, so they need uh, more space. Uh, just also because they are working uh, home, uh, which which was a. Uh, really not uh, the, the case before. And uh, so you have this trend of even families uh, looking at buying a, a, a house with a garden 10 kilometers away of Luxembourg. And those people would, would have never think about leaving the city before. There has been a very big demand for this type of properties. The price increase was really, really strong as well. And those people usually benefited from their tax exempt capital gained on their first apartment to be able to buy those houses. Uh, so that that has been a trend as well because of this huge acceleration in price that uh, occurred in the last three years. Uh, so it's not rare that uh, people just uh, sell their apartment uh, twice the price they bought it 10 years ago. Uh, this is actually the statistics. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the second part of that question now, which was, yeah. people are also buying offices as residential places. Is that allowed? What are the rules on that? No, you would not be able to do that, actually, because uh, because of the PAG, uh, the PAG, uh, like uh, Julien just said, some parts of the cities are for commercial use 
and some other part of the cities are for residential use. So this is very clear and this is on a street by street basis. So you could not have a change in terms of usage of building into residential or that would mean that the, the, the city would allow this. Well, that's interesting then, because there are some residential areas which do have offices. You know, there are places where I've seen like kine yeah. offices or places yeah. where they have more one-on-one services. Yeah. Yeah. So how is that allowed then? Yeah, you, you have a small number of uh, areas where you have mixed mixed usage of, of land. So you can build either uh, commercial or uh, residential Spaces. So in that situation, would that office be allowed to be transformed back into a home, for instance? It is. Yes, it is. Okay, so that's interesting then. So some places, sometimes I see again on the the well-known portals that perhaps an office which was used for, I don't know, a beauty parlour or something can be re- refurnished <laughs> entirely um, back into uh, back into a home. I've even known a, a friend to buy a beautiful old pizzeria and develop it into a, a lovely home and she bought it a good time as well. So can you buy a restaurant and reform it into a home? If it's in, it's in a mixed usage, you, you would be entitled to do that. That's for, that for sure. But and where should people go in order to find the rules about these things? Municipality is the best uh, way to, to have information on that. Mm-hmm. So you, you can have a look at the PAG and see clearly what is the usage of land mm-hmm. that is done. But I have to say that it's an interesting debate because we had exactly the opposite debate a few years ago. Then we were talking about uh, residential spaces converted in offices or commercial uses, which was a big problem because we have already a shortage of uh, dwellings. So it was even worse. So it's it's quite nice if we get back now to dwellings. It is lovely. And I know the research in America and the statistics have shown that there's been a move away from the big cities, from more open spaces and people trying to... In fact, there was an article mentioning that people are trying to buy their future retirement home, whatever their hobbies or passions might be, and to move towards that and to do a lot of more homeworking if that uh, fills their, their working requirements. And of course, now we don't need to travel so much. We've got Zoom everywhere, even though we all like meeting in person as well. And we can't wait to have a mask-free lifestyle. But getting back to the point, um, let's talk about COVID. (laughs) I did just mention masks. (laughs) Let's talk about how has that affected the trends, the trends that you have observed in recent years. I know we're not out of COVID. We don't actually know the end point of COVID yet. We don't really have a full kind of grip on what the economic results of COVID will be. But so far, what do you think the trends are? First thing that in 2020, we did not see a huge impact of COVID on the activity on the residential market, which was quite sustained, uh, except perhaps during the first uh, lockdown, where, of course, uh, well, there was mechanical reasons for a decrease in in, uh, the number of uh, transactions. But apart from this small decrease, then we get back to traditional levels of activity, which was uh, really not what I expected. I have to say that I I was really wrong when I thought that it should have an effect on the number of transactions, which was not the case in 2020. So let's see what will happen in the next uh, months. But I guess that uh, now we are back on good uh, tracks with regards to transactions. 
And what is your prediction for future trends? I mean, I'm really thinking of people who might be launching into the market around about now. And it's it's an unknown because we've had this recent hike, hike, hike in prices despite COVID. And they're probably wondering whether or not to push the go button because, yes, they might really want a home. But is it safe to buy? We're all looking at you for this answer. Um, I would say that supply is the key. Yeah. We need to build more dwellings. That's a key issue. And then it will mechanically uh, translate into prices. If we manage to decrease this gap between supply and demand, then of course prices will come back to more reasonable increases, I would say. Do you think they'll go down? I Well... It's difficult to, to, to have a clear final answer on that, but I do not see any reason why prices would uh, go down. Mm-hmm. What should be the best solution, let's say, is uh, an increase in prices closer to inflation on consumer prices. Two, three percent per year would be something both reasonable and, to my opinion, possible. And what about you, Pierre and Vincent? What do you think about house prices? Do you think they have a possibility of going down at all? Which, of course, is something the banks must think about too. Honestly, personally, I don't see the the market price going down. But I think what we could see during the COVID was really an acceleration due to the phenomenon we talked about. So the decisions to buy were there, maybe, maybe more than before. And then also the rate market was very low. So, in fact, the options to leverage money were very cheap. So that's why also the decisions of buying what has been done at that time. You're right. We haven't spoken about that, but the, uh, the, the, the mortgage interest rates are very low. Very, very low. And then since the vaccine, since we are starting to see the end of this, uh, this uh, dark period, <laughs> see, the, the rate market is going up a little bit. And then that could maybe lead to not a decrease but maybe uh, really, uh, as Julien said, uh, a growth more controlled around maybe three, four, five percent, because, you know, the, the demands will be a bit less than currently because of this rate market going a bit up. I'm curious to see, but I'm still positive on this market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because prices are very sensitive to uh, the, the cost of financing. And actually, the, the cost of financing has never been as low as it was at the end of 2020. And we see a, a, a quite a, not a strong, but a quite important recovery in, uh, in the cost of financing, because now it's, uh, I would say, 50 basis points up than it was uh, at the end of 2020. And that has a real impact uh, on the, the, the monthly uh, cost to uh, new, uh, new homeowners. If the, this trend continues, uh, it will most probably uh, affect the, the, the price level as well. So maybe it will decrease at least the, uh, the, the price increase that we observed uh, in, the last, uh, in the last years. But still, uh, uh, I strongly believe that uh, the the main uh, point about the price level will remain always based on the uh, the supply of land, the supply of new dwellings per year. And I think that as long as uh, the market will not construct more and afford housing to everyone working in the country, uh, the price will probably not decrease. 
Okay. Any final thoughts on this lovely, lovely sensitive topic of housing? Anything you were burning to say that we haven't said? We have already said a lot, I would say. Yes, we have. <laughs> the country really changed a lot during the last 10 years. And if I take just uh, my personal situation, I mean, when I arrived 17 years ago, I was a junior guy at a big four firm having quite low salary. And I think the people who arrived today actually have very different profiles. And what we see, for instance, at Nexia and Nexfin is that we have a lot of uh, Amazoners uh, that uh, live in Luxembourg. They arrive uh, uh, from uh, foreign countries, uh, but they have already a very good job, really good pay. They have uh, some uh, additional uh, compensation like stock options plans uh, that uh, some banks take into account uh, for giving the, the financing. And that has a role as well in the price level that we see in Luxembourg. Okay, I love that. I love that phrase. It's like a new race of people, the Amazoners. <laughs> Never heard that before. It's very, very good. Yeah. No, I know there's certainly uh, some companies or institutions where there are incentives, very lucky for them, which helps them to secure financing towards towards residents. But uh, not everybody is quite so lucky. And so we do feel very much we try to give the information for every one of our listeners. And of course, we actually have listeners. Uh, thank you for listening to us from all over the world. I know that you're listening to us here from India, for instance, quite a number of listeners from India, from the frontiers. And we also have listeners, of course, in the UK, Ireland and over in the States as well. So I hope you have enjoyed this series if you're thinking about buying anything here in Luxembourg. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, that one's done. 